Hello everyone and welcome back to the CEO Journals podcast. For those of you that are new here, I'm your host Ethan Bridge and I just want to start off this episode by saying thank you all for joining. Getting paid for who you are instead of just what you do. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Well, you'd be wrong. It's possible. And it's exactly what today's guest on the podcast, Terry Rice, teaches. As a business consultant, Terry helps entrepreneurs and consultants monetize their knowledge so they can grow their business without sacrificing their health, family, or personal interests. He can help monetize your knowledge through consulting, speaking gigs, online courses, and additional revenue streams. Sounds like the ideal lifestyle to me. As we shift from a doing economy to a being economy, many professionals have an opportunity to monetize their knowledge through various income streams. However, it's easy to fall into the consulting trap, constantly chasing clients and working long hours whilst neglecting your outside interests. The hustle harder culture is fundamentally broken. Continuously working long hours and chasing the next opportunity will eventually lead to burnout, not success. Beyond that, it's challenging to attract the right prospects and business partners when you project scarcity. It's time to take a look at the way you work and really start thinking about optimizing the talents you already possess. I can't wait for you to hear what Terry has to say. So without any further ado, let's dive straight into today's episode. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CEO Journals podcast. I am super excited for today's episode because we have Terry Rice on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yourself? I am. I'm fantastic. I'm actually doing very well. And now I'm on a podcast call, so I cannot complain. So for the listeners that don't know who you are, could you just give us a quick 60 second introduction of who you are and what you do, please? Yeah, sure thing. So I'm a father and a husband based in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And by trade and training, I help entrepreneurs monetize their knowledge through consulting, through getting speaking gigs, through online courses, any way they can share their value with a defined audience. uh, That's what I help them do. And then outside of that, I also work at Entrepreneur Magazine, where I'm a business development expert in residence. And what that means more or less is I help companies grow primarily through digital channels and give them the strategy and measurement aligned with whatever goals they might have. Amazing. Can't wait to discuss that more. But the way I like to start all my episodes is by throwing it back with my guests and sort of asking them about their time at school. It just gives the listeners a little bit of background about where they came from. And for those younger individuals, if they're not so interested in school and focus on business, do they have to worry about that sort of thing? So how were you in school? Let's focus on, say, a 14-year-old version of yourself. Were you the class clown? Were you seriously focused on your grades? Or did you sort of just do whatever you needed to do to get by? Yeah, so the challenge with me being 14 is that's when I first went into ninth grade. And previous to that, like I, I, someone told me, like, what you're doing in, in seventh and eighth grade has no impact on getting into college. It does not go on your high school transcript. So I'm like, cool, I'm just going to mess around. Like, I don't know why you guys are all working so hard. None of this counts for anything. So by the time I was 14, like, you know, like I'm in ninth grade at this point, like some of my teachers thought I was slow because I was just slacking. And all of a sudden I turned it, turned it in up a notch and like, oh, wow, this guy's actually, you know, pretty bright. So I was, I was, you know, smart enough, but I was also a jock too. So I'm playing football, I'm doing track. So like that was my crowd. 
that I associated with, and then I had a history of slacking. So there's a lot of misunderstanding <laughs> from, from school administrators in regards to my potential. Uh, but it was a transitional period for me because also I was I was shorter back then. Like when I was when I was in tenth grade, I think I was like five nine, and by the time I was a junior, I was six four. So I went through this huge transformation as well during that time period. So it was it was interesting. So you were a big one for sports then, especially with that growth as well, because track people tend to be quite tall, don't they? I mean, and it's combine that with football. You were probably laughing at the time, thinking, did you think you were ever going to go down the sports? route then or were you always sort of focused on a career development in say a corporate or what you're actually doing now being an entrepreneur no i never thought i was going to be like a professional athlete i knew i was going to do it in college which did end up happening but i had no desire to necessarily like run around until i was like you know 35 or whatever honestly i wanted to go into advertising because I saw this movie um, starring Eddie Murphy where he was like an advertising executive and he was cool and he had all these cool girlfriends in a nice apartment. I'm like, oh, that's what I want. So that's what made me want to go into advertising and marketing. That's interesting. Just straight up from a film, push you down that direction. I suppose that happens with a lot of people though in the fact that they see something and I know it's in a film, so it, especially at a kid's age as well or a younger, the younger generation, they see something in a film that looks appealing so they go down that route. Um, but it's nice that you actually then did pursue it because you see these kids nowadays who aspire to be astronauts and they're then told to have their dreams become more realistic per se and then never end up going for what they really wanted. Yeah, and I think maybe working in advertising is more realistic to being an astronaut, so that helped. Um, <laughs> <But yeah. laughs> a bit of a clearer path to that. Like, you know, through whatever courses you take in college if you choose to go that route. But uh yeah, like I had a very early what you would call identity foreclosure. And I just locked in on saying that's what I want to do. And that's what ended up happening. For sure. So you went to university, came out of school, went to university, came out of university. Were you then concerned about what you were going to do then? Or did you go straight into a job straight out of university? No, I, I didn't have much of a plan except to enjoy myself, which I did. Um, so even in college, you know, I was like a jock and I got good grades, but I was just like enjoying life. I worked at like the most popular bar on campus. So I was like that guy. And I thought that microcosm was, was real life. And then after I graduated from undergrad, I just couldn't get a real job. So I went to business school and I got an MBA, but I didn't plan even that properly. So this is no joke. I had an MBA, but I was couldn't get a job, so I was working at a, a store called Radio Shack, like where you buy like like equipment for like your electronics and stuff. I was doing that retail, like I was literally like saying like, please buy these batteries with an MBA, and it was kind of silly because I thought like once you had a degree, I thought on the way home from graduation, someone was going to just pull me over and say, here's this job, guy, you know, here's sixty thousand dollars in you know your corner office, and that didn't happen uh, whatsoever. See, I actually, this is something that I find incredible because I'm not someone that went to university. I got an apprenticeship, which is an alternative route. And then I went into just straight into a job, straight out of school, basically. And that was one of the things that always crossed my mind when I was thinking about going to university was, does university actually guarantee you a job? No, it doesn't. And what I do now, like you, like you said as well, is something that you wanted to go into. Like what I'm doing now is something that I wanted to go into. And I didn't need the university degree to go into what I'm doing now. So 
I didn't go. But I think there's a lot of people that do go to university thinking that they're going to come out of it and be guaranteed a job. But as you say, not the case. <laughs> no, and I think that's, that's the challenge. Like, I don't know what the other route looks like when I didn't, if I didn't go to college and, you know, the outcome. I can say right now, everything I need to know, I could have learned on YouTube. Mm. But it's because I know what I need to know now, right? So yeah. the 20-something-year-old version of me didn't know that. I, I do think people should strongly consider at least waiting taking a gap year before committing themselves at 17 or 18 years old to, to go to college just because it seems like that's what you should do. Right. Cause it's yeah. a very big decision. You should just live a life and read a book or something. I don't know, like do something where you explore the opportunities first and then decide if that's right for you. For sure. As you say, it's a huge decision and it costs a hell of a lot of money. So it's important to make the right one. So something I want to talk about then is your role at, entrepreneur magazine and obviously you mentioned that you are business development expert in residence but you interview entrepreneurs like i do myself and but you then you then transform those interviews into digital and print so you produce articles this that, and the other i this is as i said before i started this is a selfish question because it's something that obviously i can then produce with this content what tips would you have for people that do do interviews like myself and run podcasts to then produce that further bit of content like you do as an article? Where do you start? You start with the desire to inform an audience because any well-written article for, for a company like, for a platform like Entrepreneur should not benefit the writer or the subject at all. It should benefit the person who's consuming the content. So you're thinking, what is someone going to learn or do differently after they read this article? And then during this conversation, I would be taking like mental bookmarks, like, okay, cool, that was good. That's one subheading, cool, that was really good. That's another paragraph, so on and so forth. And then just tell this narrative in a way where you're guiding someone towards this desired outcome, where again, you're changing some kind of behavior uh, as a result of that. Now, that can be challenging because you're going to have so much information and you're like, how do I pare that down to 1,200 words, right? Because mm. uh, it's not going to be like a, a manifesto. So you have to be comfortable sometimes telling the cliff notes, but as long as you know you get your point across, you, you, you've accomplished that goal. So how long are your conversations normally with these entrepreneurs to be able to then cut it down to, say, 120, uh, 1,200 words? Because some of my podcast episodes are hour and 15 minutes long it seems like quite a lot to cut down to that amount of words yeah i mean sometimes they are an hour long and you're like gosh you know i wish i could like share <laughs> with you like what's on the cutting room floor yeah. and you you want to not do a disservice because some people i'm talking to like they're like making like five hundred thousand. they have like their net worth i should say is like 500 million dollars right and they talk to me for an hour and i'm like okay here's 800 words right you know so it's <laughs> like you don't want to like disrespect their time but there are you know constraints uh that, that go along with it and that's that's how it is but um that's why i think longer form content like your podcast like it gives you an opportunity to express that and have these conversations get get pulled out a bit more for sure it's just something i really want to get involved in as well because i think even with these articles then i could then almost cut it down into say a book this is i'm just running on running off with this now but i don't want to go too much into it but yeah. it's just i think nowadays especially with the way social media is shifting as well is producing 
content at mass scale is becoming the norm. Like you see these big accounts and like to be successful, people don't care about, people love the quality as well. But say if I can record a podcast episode, have the podcast, then from that podcast, have an article like you say you do and you're brilliant at, and then cut that down also into six Instagram posts, this, that, and the other, just from this 60 minute podcast call, I can produce 25, 30 bits of content. It's just, I'm fascinated by how you, how you do it as well, because you do it so well. <laughs> well, let me give you another like insider secret. Some of those articles that you see written, especially the interviews, they were never live conversations. Sometimes what you do is you'll just email questions mm-hmm. to the person and say, you know, like answer this, answer that, so on and so forth. And that's paragraph one, two, three, four. So in a pinch, that's what you're doing. And there's not as much paring down of the conversation because you're literally just taking what they wrote. Because another thing you'll, I'm sure you'll experience is the way we're talking right now is not the way that you would write down my thoughts in an, in an article mm-hmm. because I'm umming, I'm awing, I'm pausing, I'm like, you knowing and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it would be hideous if you actually wrote that. So you kind of get good at wordsmithing uh, your content as well as just giving like more like a template for people to follow and submit their information. For sure. So is this something you got into by applying for it or were you good at what you did so they approached you to sort of provide content to them? That's a great story. So uh, like I said earlier, I have uh, three children and my oldest, uh, my daughter Lena is four years old. And about a year and a half ago, I was taking her to this free gymnastics class in Brooklyn to see if she wanted to try it out and do it. And while I was there, I saw Jason Pfeiffer there. Uh, Jason Pfeiffer is the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. He has a son who's the same age as my daughter. So that's how I met him there. And I was like, holy cow, that's, that's Jason Pfeiffer. So we're at like this gymnastics class for toddlers. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to say something to this guy because like, I'm a big fan. So I was like, hey, man, you know, I really like your podcast. And he's like, well, what do you like about it? And I was able to say like this, that, and that, and that. You know, like I, I'm I genuinely a fan. So that's what really started the conversation between him, him, me and him or he and I. I'm say, I, I, that's, I should probably know how to say it better, right? Um, <laughs> the two of us. <laughs> and then um, from there, there was a needed entrepreneur for someone to help with like biz dev. And they're like, he's like, hey, can you come talk to you know the senior staff and see what happens? So that's how it started. It was just me mm-hmm. taking my daughter to gymnastics class. See, that's, these sort of stories always fascinate me because you you genuinely did fall into this role. Like, if you hadn't taken your daughter to gymnastics class, or if he hadn't didn't have a son, that like this never would have happened. Like, some of these stories I hear are incredibly random have led to phenomenal opportunities and it just shows people out there that these things do happen yeah i mean there's two things one is you have to put yourself in a situation where serendipity can occur so if you always take the same route to work take a different route you might run into someone different if you always go to the same bar go to a different bar and you know in this situation you'd say wow you got lucky i don't believe in luck i think the definition of luck is when opportunity and preparation meet action, right? Mm-hmm. So if I had not known who Jason was by actually studying my craft and you know being able to see him on site, this never would have happened, right? So put yourself in a situation where these things can happen, but you have to front load some of these, these skills and this knowledge up front as well. For sure. So this isn't the only thing you do as well. Obviously, you have your, your consultancy uh, company. 
how do you find with three kids as well how do you find balancing all of this and still having the time to spend with your kids because i know like for example we've got to end this call in 20 uh, 35 minutes because you've got to go pick up your kids like that sort of thing how do you manage to balance all of this at the same time there's um there's an integration that you have to develop but for me i think having kids is an unfair advantage because i have to be more efficient with my day there's no like midnight oil I'm going to burn or I'm not going to get some couple hours in on the weekend. So everything I do, I'm thinking to myself, is this the most important thing I could be doing right now? If the answer is no, I do something else. So the way I structure my day is I do all my creative work in the morning. After I drop my kids off, first of all, I drop two or three of my kids off, come to my office. I meditate for 10 minutes because they've been driving me crazy for, let's say, an hour. I meditate and then I plan my day. And then I do my creative work in the morning. So if I'm writing, if I'm doing any kind of biz dev stuff, any kind of you know decks for, for a presentation, I do that in the morning. I work for maybe three hours and then I go to the gym for about an hour and a half. And luckily my gym's right next door to my, my office. Go work out there, come back. The back half of the day I'm doing like admin stuff or transactional work and then I leave at five. So it's not hard if you just commit to excellence, I guess is one way of saying it, yeah. and have this, 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 um, this pattern of behavior that's aligned with your desired outcomes. Do you work on weekends? No, no. And, and you know, it's funny, like I said, I used to years ago, and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. And like a month later, that's when I took my daughter to that gymnastics class. So me saying, no, I'm not working on weekends anymore is really what led to this. Now, I'm not saying I won't like take a look at LinkedIn once in a while yeah. and stuff like that. But you're not going to find me like leaving my, my, my home to go to my office to work because otherwise, what's it for? Like, what are you working for if you're not just being present with your children? Not just there, but present, paying attention to them, your, your wife, your family, whatever it is, your hobbies. What's the point of, you know, building a successful business if you can't actually enjoy your free time? Because wealth is just, it's free time. You know, it's how much free time can you afford before you have to go back to work? <laughs> so what's the point of like building it up if you're not going to enjoy it? For sure. So I'd, what, I'd like to know your opinion then on sort of today's hustle mentality, especially on Instagram. There's certain influencers out there, not going to name names, that just push this hustle mentality and the fact that if you want to succeed, you've got to put 18 hours of work in every single day to achieve this success. And you've achieved it by doing the complete opposite. And I've spoken to other people that literally work for three hours a day and earn like multiple millions a year. So there is, you, you get one end of the spectrum and then the complete other end of the spectrum. Look, you obviously work more than three hours a day, but you don't work 18 hour days and on weekends and sacrificing time with your family. So what do you think about this whole hustle mentality and working almost too hard? It's, it's fundamentally broken. And it's, it's unfortunate that it's become popular because the people I see expressing that, especially on social media, I don't see them really accomplishing much. I see them spinning their wheels because there's, there's a difference between being busy and being productive, right? So if you're working 18 hour days, that's not good because Let's pretend some really good opportunity came along. Guess what? You're already stretched so thin, you can't do it, right? Or you're not recovering properly, right? Because there's two types of recovery any entrepreneur needs to, needs to master. 
The first kind of recovery is failure recovery. When you mess up, how quickly can you say, okay, cool, that happened, okay, I'm gonna move on, I learned from it, so on and so forth. The other is just literally physical recovery, right? So are you getting enough sleep? Are you drinking enough water? Are you actually exercising? Are you doing some kind of meditation or mindfulness routine, right? If you're working 18 hours straight, you're not recovering properly and there's no way in hell you can show up as the best version of yourself the next day. So it's, it's, it's fundamentally broken and it's something I'm obviously against. And extremely passionate about the whole, just taking care of yourself. Like if you can't, be as productive as you possibly can because you don't take care of your health, your mental health and your physical health, then you're not going to be able to progress and succeed in reality, are you? Because your body can't physically do it. Yeah, it's, it's that. And it's just like, it's for me, it's a form of mental wellness. So for me, like I, I like doing CrossFit. Uh, why? Because it's very intense and only lasts an hour. So it fits well into my schedule, but I'm going there and I'm like, I'll deadlift like 400 pounds, right? I'll get an intense workout. When I come back to my desk, if someone writes me some kind of snarky email, like I'm not going to reply back with the same lizard brain because I'm like, dude, I already got my aggression out. I'm good. Yeah. I'm going to maintain, you know, who I am. I'm going to respond to you and be in your merry way. Like I'm not going to be a keyboard warrior. So you, you need to challenge yourself, I believe, physically on a regular basis to say, well, I did squat this much. I did this many pull-ups. I ran around the block this many times. And if I can accomplish this today, like what else can I do? So for me, the, the two just go hand in hand. For sure. And I suppose this also ties very well into your consultancy in the fact that you assist, in, you assist people in ways that they can grow their businesses without actually sacrificing their health, their family, or their personal interests. So I'm interested to know more about this and how people can get paid for who they are instead of just what they do. So Tell us a little bit about your consultancy business. Yeah, so the easiest way to monetize your knowledge is to have a point of view on something. You need signature topics that you're an expert on, right? So if you're doing digital marketing, it's like, how do you think digital marketing impacts people who like, you know, are, are always on their cell phone? What's the best way to reach out to them? So on and so forth, right? But you can't just like, know, have all this how-to content. It has to be like your unique perspective on something. So for me, I'm like, here's how you launch a consulting business without sacrificing time from your family, your health, so on and so forth. And you're going to develop three signature topics. One of mine is how to spot a entrepreneur on social media and how to avoid becoming one as well. So that's a topic I can deliver at entrepreneurial organizations, at digital marketing organizations. I can talk about it on podcasts as well, but you have to be known for something. And then from there, you get rewarded because you get media placements. You get on podcasts like this. And then people reach out to you and say, oh, can you give that same presentation at the University at Buffalo? We'll give you $5,000. Well, cool. Mm -hmm. The value of your knowledge is contextual, right? And if you, get restarted, if you start getting recognized for who you are instead of just what you do, you get paid more for it. And that's my goal. Another thing is anytime you can leverage a third party's audience to get in front of yours, that's beneficial too. How do you do that? You provide value. You reach out to your local chamber of commerce or even like a meetup or something and say, I'd love to talk to your audience about this. What do you say? But you have to have that this. What are your signature topics? What are you known for? And then from there, like I said, it's so much easier to get in front of people and get rewarded for that. I mean, this example, this podcast is a prime example of you providing value and getting an audience to come to you. So I, public speaking is not something that I've done yet, but it's something I'm interested in doing 
when you first started public speaking and monetizing that area, was that something that you were reaching out for others to do or were they approaching you? And how has that sort of changed over time? Yeah, so when I'm doing speaking gigs, originally it's people reaching out to me and saying, mm-hmm. hey, we'd love to have you speak at this event. And maybe it wasn't getting paid at first, right? Because I didn't present myself as a speaker. I didn't have a speaker reel, I have a speaker sheet, so on and so forth. But my first paid gig was a result of doing a free gig. And someone asked the organizer, like, well, how much does that guy charge? And they're like, well, nothing, but you can go talk to him, right? And as a result of that, I did like a, an engagement at some insurance conference in Texas. But here's where I messed up. I didn't charge enough because I didn't know the value that I brought. I think I charged like $4,000, which sure doesn't sound bad, but remember I said it was an insurance conference. Insurance, finance, auto, travel, they have money, right? So the value of your knowledge is contextual. That same presentation I gave to an insurance conference was probably worth probably $8,000. If I was giving it to, you know, a smaller company or a smaller organization, maybe it's worth $2,000. So that's how it happened. Like, but once you start speaking, people are like, oh, this person's a speaker. So once you're on the website for like social media week, or I've spoken at South by Southwest, like places like that, people are like, oh, wow, this guy's a speaker. And then it just kind of removes a lot of the risk any organizer might have in signing you. Because if you spoke at all these places, you're probably not going to stink up the stage when you get there. Um, yeah. So now I can be a bit more proactive and reach out. But like I said, going back to, you know, before my goal is I don't want to be on the road all the time. I don't want my kids calling me Terry. So I'm not trying to like go on tour. I, I do purpose-driven events, but um, I'm not trying to be like giving speeches like you know once a week. For sure. And I like that you always go back to try and to keep your family close. I think it's a, obviously a great thing to have and something that I hope I have in the future as well when I have a family. So I like talking to people that have that same mindset. Like I do, I do understand why people will travel because you can earn a hell of a lot of money by doing so it's it's there's no there's no matter about it they can earn a serious amount of money if they get asked to go and do a speaking gig god knows where and they're gone for two weeks and then they're back and then they're away again and they're back and they're away again but i just i find it very humbling and just i'm a very much family person as well so i just like it i do like the fact that you keep going back to the family being first and making sure that you are there as much as you possibly can be i think it's brilliant Thank you. And you know, what you're going to see, unfortunately, because of current events is a lot more remote conferences, right? So online conferences. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, that's something I'm familiar with, because due to the fact that I enjoy being home a lot, I teach at the school called General Assembly. They teach like the skills of tomorrow, like business, marketing, tech, stuff like that. I do primarily online courses. So I'm already an expert at delivering information in a remote fashion. That just puts me in a great position to get more online uh, speaking gigs for various conferences, which I've already done before. For example, yeah, and for example, say if this was in front of an audience, it would basically be having this conversation now. But this camera, rather than facing my bedroom wall, would be facing a group of people, and effectively, that's the same as what you'd be doing if you were going and doing a Q and A anywhere in the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, next month I'm speaking to students at Ohio State University remotely, right? So it's like, it's the same. People are just getting used to it, right? You know, it's like, hey, technology exists. Let's embrace it. (laughs) And um, and that's how I think a lot more people are going to have these conversations going forward, especially given what's going on right now where people are trying to shy away from conferences to an extent. Yeah, and 
it's going to take time though as you say people are still scared of the fact technology is advancing extremely quickly and if it were if people were to embrace it as quickly as they should have this would have been the case called like three four years ago like i'm in london you're in new york you said this to people 10 years ago and they yes they could have done so but to this level of quality that we are doing it now they'd have been like that is crazy don't be stupid and now look at this this is easy and then i am then going to go and distribute this conversation to the world basically to a platform that everyone can listen to it is i feel, i think it's fascinating yeah i I'd, I'd agree and even my consulting business the majority of consulting i do is remotely i don't really meet people in person even my clients in new york i don't really meet in person because like there's too much time lost getting the subway getting dressed so on and so forth and i remember one time i was leading a consulting session with this woman and she was like literally bouncing up and down and I'm like, I got to ask, like, why are you bouncing? And she's like, well, right now I'm holding my two-month-old daughter and I'm bouncing on this ball to keep her calm. And my goal of talking to you is to learn how I can start my own business and work from home so I can spend more time with her. And in that moment, I was like, that's why I do this, right? Because yeah. I would have never been able to connect with that woman, with this two-month-old, if it were not for remote opportunities like this. And when I meet people like that, that's when I just go in. I'm like, I want to see you win, right? Because it's not just a company I'm helping. It's an individual in their way of life. Yeah. And if I can impact people like that, that's, that's legacy defining. It's not saying, oh, I helped this company make X million more dollars. It's like saying I helped this woman in Queens, you know, make enough money where she could stay home with her family whenever she wanted to and still support herself on her own terms. A much better uh review if you ask me than saying that you would earn someone x amount of money it's a no-brainer in my opinion so i'd love to talk to you about your failures or what you believe to be your two biggest failures in your journey so far it's something i ask everyone because i mention it every episode but social media simply these days is a highlight reel people do not share their failures and as an entrepreneur it would be nice to see other entrepreneurs share their failures so I don't make the same mistakes because everyone makes mistakes, yet they don't share them because they think people are going to judge them for making a mistake in the first place. But surely it'd be best to let other people know of these mistakes so they don't actually make them. So this is why I ask all my guests about their two biggest failures. So we'll go one by one, we'll talk about one, discuss it, talk about the next, discuss it. So what do you think your first biggest failure is in your journey so far there's so many it's hard to pick just <laughs> one um i would say initially it was me comparing myself to other people that appeared at least on social media to be successful because i'm sure you heard it before a like comparison is the thief of joy right and for me like i would see other people who are like getting all these followers and all this engagement all these likes and i would start trying to formulate ways for me to almost copy them, which was not being authentic to who I am, right? So it's like, you can't be the best version of yourself if you're trying to pretend you're someone else just because you see them getting the success. So that was a big part of it. And even like investing money in technology to help me do what they were doing, right? Where there was like selling an online course and you know one thing or another, but it's like, you, you can't skip the part where you figure shit out. Yeah, you have to evolve as an entrepreneur. And if you just see like this shiny object, you're like, oh, I want to be that person and go after it. 
you know, it can lead to depression. It can lead to obviously failure, but the ability to learn from that obviously is something that you know I'm happy about. But yeah, I was just comparing myself to people and like, oh, I want to be like that person. Like, let me, you know, do whatever the hell they're doing instead of just waiting and just becoming who I was meant yeah. to be. And that's sort of a prime example because that person that you were attempting to copy was only showing their successes. We didn't get to see their at the point, say, I'm at now where they're in the dirt, grinding away, trying to build something. We are seeing it already built. And it's all very well for them to go and say, right, well, this works, but they know it works because they've tried and tested it for ages and they've found a process for them that works. But not everything that works for someone else, as you say, is going to work for you. And that's okay. It's just finding what is best for you as an individual, as you say. Yeah, and let me add color commentary to this. I later found out that that person was actually shady as hell. Really? By, I'm dead serious. By this, I mean, I met someone that this person worked with and they were talking about working together potentially over lunch. And during lunch, this person put down their credit card, the person he was consulting, put down the credit card to pay for lunch. This guy picked it up, swiped it through the Square app on his phone and charged this person $3,000 without their permission. Wow. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so... That guy was shady as hell um, and portraying himself to be someone he wasn't on social media. So like, I'm like, again, like it just came full circle when I heard that story. Like, this is insane. And that's another great point to make as well is what everything, everything, not everything you see on social media is true. Like, it's easy for me to go and stand in front of a Ferrari and pretend it's mine. Like anyone could do that. Yeah. I don't have a Ferrari, obviously, but... If I went and stood in front of one, posted a picture and did it very often to the fact that it was so often people thought it was mine, it'd be quite easy to make that perception. And that's what a lot of people do. And it is, as you say, upsetting because people do get fooled by it. Yeah. Like, do you have the same ethics, morals and values of that person? And that's what you mm -hmm. can't see on social media. That's what I didn't see until yeah. I heard that story. Like, are you willing to do what they did, even if they are successful to get there? Are you willing to, you know, be shady, like, you know, like, you know, undercut your partners and stuff like that? And my answer to that is no. I'd rather go yeah. slow and more, have a more ethical approach as opposed to just trying to go fast and, you know, leave that kind of legacy behind. That is such a good point to make. And the first time someone's ever mentioned that as one of their failures. So thank you for providing that value. What would you think your, or what would you think something that stands out as a second big failure? The second big failure I would say was not being as open in communication with my wife about my business as I am now, because as an entrepreneur, you're going to have ups and downs, right? But if the closest person to you, your partner doesn't realize what you're going through, you know, when you're kind of short with them over lunch or, you know, you're just like being distant, you know, when you get home or whatever, they don't know. So in theater of the mind, they're like, is something wrong with me? Is something going on? Like, I don't know. But once I started opening up more and saying like, look, this ain't working <laughs> and I'm a little stressed out about it or I'm really hoping this contract gets signed or I'm just overwhelmed with even handling my taxes and my bookkeeping right now, things got a lot easier because I, I first of all, I got help from my wife. Uh, and yeah. second of all, like there was no tension when I got home. It was just like, look, this is a place where we're all supporting each other. 
but we can't support you or we can't support each other if we don't know what's going on. So just kind of getting over that hump of trying to, you know, mask some things that weren't going so well sometimes uh, was really important. But initially it was like, ah, you know, like it, it, it caused more challenges uh, than, than, than I had to just because I wasn't being as upfront as I should have. Was there a certain, I mean, you don't have to answer this. It might be a bit personal, but was there a certain point that made you realize that and then sort of flick that switch and made you realize that you did have to start sharing this. So things did get solved and you were, there wasn't that tension, as you say, you know, I talked to enough guys that were married and they said things like, yeah, I don't know. My wife handles that part of my business or my wife handles the finances or my wife handles my scheduling. So all these people that I saw that were successful and looked fulfilled, they kept on seeing the same thing. So I'm like, Hey idiot, maybe you too <laughs> should follow their, their lead. And that's the thing for any entrepreneur out there. Like it doesn't have to be that hard. If you can just find someone who's doing what you want to do and appears to be, you know, ethical and moral and so forth, you can kind of follow their lead. And if you see their pattern of behavior where they have like, you know, a, a point of view on this and then it becomes a book then they go speak about it in stages. Like if you see like whatever kind of point, like whatever pattern is, you can do the same thing. It doesn't have to be that hard. It's never going to be easy, but it can be clearer if you just follow the lead from people who are already successful and are in similar situations to you. So yeah, that's all it was. Like enough people said to me like, yeah, my wife does that. And I'm like, well, shit, I got a wife. You know, I should probably, I should probably do that yeah. too. And that's honestly that's such a good point to make as well. And it's part of the reason I do this podcast. And as you say, I, for all the people I've spoken to now, your number, you must be, a, I think you're probably in the number 40s now. And you do see, I do see patterns developing. Like you do see similar things happening between certain individuals. And it's starting to click now. And I'm starting to go, right, that is what I need to implement. Not one of these off the cuff things that are something random things that do keep showing up because the things that do keep showing up that I'm not implementing clearly work. So why the hell am I not doing them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to master pretty much anything, there's three things you got to learn the basics. Like what are the tactics that you need to be successful? Right. And you can do some research on that. The other one is finding other people who have already done it and can take risks now in that space where they can like, you know, like lead the charge and like new approaches, new initiatives. And the last thing is this mindset you need to develop, right? So that mindset training we can't ignore. And I follow this guy, his name's uh, Dr. Michael Gervais. He's a high performance um, psychologist. And he says, you know, there's three things as humans we can train. We can train our body, we can train our craft, and we can train our mind. But we spend a disproportionate amount of time training the first two and not enough training our mind. So that mindset training, some people think it's like woo woo or like esoteric. No, you absolutely need to do that because you need to front load skills to be successful and thrive even in the most challenging situations, right? So you talked about public speaking. Some people are afraid of that. They're like, oh, I'm deathly afraid of public speaking. You don't have to be because first of all, when you're talking to an audience, they're all on your side. They don't want you to suck. So you have mm -hmm. an audience of advocates and allies, right? So when you're talking, you know, if you front load that thought in your mind, that alone will help you be more successful, right? So just learning how to navigate even challenging experiences in your life by front loading these skills is a very valuable tool, but we don't train that enough. And that's what I see a lot of people somewhat causing more challenges than they need to have because of that. And that's such a good point to make about thinking that the other people there are here to see you. So even it's, it's even if it's like just a group presentation, they they are there to listen to you. You're not there 
attempting to try and engage them. They are already engaged. They are there for that reason. They are there to listen to you in the first place. You've just yeah. got to perform. <laughs> if you have enemies in the crowd, you have bigger problems. Yeah. Going, <laughs> like if someone just shows up just because they hate you and they're heckling you, you got problems, man. Like, so <laughs> that's like a whole other podcast. But no, everyone there is on your side and to the point where like if you stumble on your words a little bit or you slip up, they're like, hey, we'll wait for you to catch your breath. You know, we're human too. We get it. And mm. from there, you're going to crush it. You're going to get off stage. You're going to get all this good feedback. And then what you have to do is practice what are called epic thoughts. Epic thoughts are real things you've done in the past that were difficult, but you accomplished. And you can remind yourself in these times of doubt. Okay, right now I'm a little nervous, but you know what? The, you know, before I did this, that was hard. I did this, that was hard too. And I did this and I'm still here. But even those epic thoughts, you have to front load, right? Because it can't just be like, Oh, you can do it. It has to be a real thing you've accomplished to remind yourself, you know, what you can do. And that's how you build confidence. It's honestly such a good point to make. And I'm going to take note of that and everyone else should. That rounds up pretty much the bulk of the podcast. And I thank you for answering all the questions because they have been incredible answers as well. But I have got a final five. They are five very quick questions to which I hope you have some very quick answers. So. Question number one, who is the first person that comes to mind when I say the word successful? My dad. Is that any particular reason? Yeah, I mean, my dad uh, was born on a farm in like North Carolina, got drafted to go fight in Vietnam when he was 19, uh, came back and started working at a company called Xerox, like a technology company here in the US, and was driving a forklift, but with his first check, bought a suit. And after a while, they're like, why is this guy wearing a suit driving a forklift? So that's how he got promoted. And by the time he retired, like 38 years later, he was a VP of like, I think like supply chain management or something. So for me, like that success, like you're just putting in that work to just grow over that period of time um, and achieve those outcomes. Sounds like an incredible man. Yeah. What is the best investment you've ever made? This can be money, time, or simply an Amazon purchase. Mindset training. I, uh, I took this course uh, It's called um, finding your best by this company called compete to create. And it's during this course, you develop your personal philosophy, a vision for your life. And that's part of the whole mindset skills that I was talking about as well. I was like 500 bucks. I would have paid a couple thousand. Yeah, for sure. And I think as you mentioned, mindset is something people just neglect and it's something you shouldn't. And as you say, 500 bucks, that's cheap. That is yeah. not, in the grand scheme of things, that is next to no money. And if it's the best investment you've ever made, it, complete, it just shows it's worth it. Do you have a quote that you live by or think of often? It is what it is. Now, what are you going to do about it? That's, a, that's great. And I always think that's very similar to the one I live by in the fact that if it's happened, it's happened. If you can change it, change it. If you can't, forget it. Just Yes, yeah, it's a very stoic philosophy, but it's like, okay, perception, action, and then endurance, right? Yeah. So that's the way I live my life. I'm like, we can't go backwards. So what's the best way to go forward from here? Because you have a finite amount of energy. Yes. And I'm not going to waste it saying, woe is me, or I can't believe this happened. It's like, dude, it happened. Like, what are we going to do next? And then from there, just move forward. Uh, that is the quote that I completely agree with out of all the guests that have said it. Because it's exactly the same as the one I live by. <laughs> what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? 
why are you so cocky? Uh, you have an opportunity right now to learn from all sorts of people, all sorts of backgrounds, but you're just obsessed with being popular and the big man on campus. And you're losing more by wanting to get attention on you. You should put more attention to other people so you can see the world for what it is without the shadow that you're casting upon it. And I think that's a lot of people, because I'm 21, and that is something a lot of people need to take note of around my age. And I think I've become more aware of it and the fact that I went into a full-time job and I've been exposed to the older generation, how they look at things. But as you say, people need to realise that. And there are more important things in life than wearing really expensive clothes and financing a really nice car sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and for you to find that out that young is amazing. It took me <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> yeah. so my final question of the day, and it's a little bit of a morbid way to end the episode, so I do apologize, but I do get really interesting answers to this question. And it's, are you afraid of dying? Am I afraid of dying? No, I'm afraid of not exhausting my potential in life. And that's what I think about, you know, am I exhausting my potential? Right now, you know, am I doing the most, the thing that's most impactful for my vision that I have for my life? And I think that every day, you know, am I, am I just really getting at it? Or am I kind of just letting life happen to me, right? So yeah. dying, no, but like you want to die empty. You want to feel like you've exhausted your potential. And then when it does come, you're like, okay, cool. You know, I had a pretty good run. Man. <laughs> and now it's Yeah, now it's no, over. I agree. So what, out of interest then, what is your like end goal? What do you want to achieve? Have you got like a definitive end goal? I want to be in a situation where I know that my family is well taken care of and any kind of curiosity or opportunities they want to explore that are aligned with the vision they have, they can do so and money won't get in the way, any kind of opportunities won't get in the way, they can just do it. And I also want to have just more time to express myself to the world in a way that would be beneficial, not to myself, but to other people. Yeah. Because I think even luxury and compassion, there's a cost associated with that, right? You know, you have to be in a situation for yourself to be comfortable where you can help other people. So that's really my goal, is to be able to just have more of an opportunity and level of comfort with that. Yeah. And I would probably align that with something that's definitely something I'd like as well. I think it's a very nice thing to aspire towards. Like the work I do today is for my future self. That's sort of what I tell myself. That's what keeps me motivated. What the, all the effort you're putting in now, your future self is going to thank you for that. Yeah. You have to realize like, this is like, this is a long-term game, right? You know, and like when you're trying to make things happen next week, you project lack and you project scarcity and people don't want to align with people like that. Right. Cause it's very clear that you just have this end goal in every conversation, every interaction you have. But when you just focus on evolving and being and learning, and then from there, letting the doing come from there, that's where you'll start attracting the right opportunities and the right people to you because you don't project lack and scarcity. Yeah, completely agree. And that right, that rounds up everything I have for you in today's episode. And your answers have been fascinating and extremely, extremely informative. So thank you so much for answering all of my questions. But I'd love for you to share where my listeners can follow up with you, what you've got going on, where they can find you, and anything else you want to plug, basically. Yeah, I mean, the best thing, uh, best way to keep, keep up with me is on social. It's at It's Terry Rice. And then my website is terryrice.co. So any questions or comments, please do reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. 
Of course. And I will leave those in the show notes below. So listeners, don't worry about finding those. Simply scroll down and click. But Terry, once again, thank you for joining me on this episode of CEO Journals. Thanks. It's been great. Appreciate your time. So that's going to wrap up today's episode of the podcast. And I can't thank you all enough for listening. I aim to interview some of the most incredible entrepreneurs every single week. So if you found any value in listening to today's episode, I'd seriously appreciate if you could smash that subscribe button and leave a five star rating and review. It only takes a couple of seconds and will help me secure some of the greatest names in business as guests on the show. If you want to reach out to me, head over to my Instagram at CEO Journals or send me a connection request on LinkedIn. I'd love to speak to as many of you as possible. Be sure to tune in next week where I'll be talking to another incredible guest where we will be discussing their journey and providing some great tips for all you listeners. I hope you have a lovely rest of your day and once again, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of CEO Journals.